0: Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR to sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, and Jesse coming to you live. Did you know you can get a ride on the party bus on December 17th for just $25? If you already have a ticket to the game, you can come join us. You can come party with us. It includes a ride to and from the arena, and it includes free beer. So it's literally cheaper than parking at the arena yourself and getting beer. So jump on it. If you got ticket to December seventeenth game against Nashville, you want to party with us? Go check out the party bus. Uh, Links to the DNBR locker will get you to those tickets. Been a uh, been a good couple of days on the injury front for the Avalanche. Jesse, I saw you. You you went for it officially, tweeting out the sixth day without an injury.
2: Yep. Yep. I'm I'm jumping the gun a little bit because we haven't we didn't get an update on LOC today with an off day for the Abs, but he finished the game. We're gonna go ahead and assume that we can now make it six days without an injury, uh, but that may have to be reset when we check in with the team tomorrow.
0: <laughs> we'll see what happens officially. We do
1: have—I I mean, a, a six is just a zero with a hook.
0: We're not wrong. <laughs> It'll be easy to update if we need.
1: Yeah, little <laughs> eraser.
0: Make a couple more days, and you just have two zeros with an eight. Right? Yeah, like, that's right.
2: Yeah, I'll just stack two zeros, like one on top of each other, so from a distance it looks like an eight, but if we need to make any quick adjustments...
1: Is that there. is that why Andreas England is so terrible? It's because it's just a bunch <laughs> of zeros stacked on each other? It's
2: like, yeah, in case you need to just wipe him to a zero. Well, relevant.
0: He was reassigned to the Eagles alongside Ben Myers after the game last night. Uh, don't know how permanent that will necessarily be, but Indications are the ABS are getting healthier and healthier here. Evan Rodriguez seen skating in a normal jersey by himself today, but nonetheless skating in a normal jersey. Uh, lots of positive news coming in on that front for the ABS. So we decided we're going to do everyone's favorite thing of all time and just spend this whole show roster baiting and uh, how the ABS lineup might look because I do think this is an interesting conversation, right? You're starting to get these guys back, but you're still a couple weeks away from getting McKinnon back. You're still probably at least a month, if not more, from really getting Landiscog back. So they're gonna have to do some weird balancing stuff.
2: I, I wanna make one quick comment on <clears throat> Landiscog, because there's been the reports out there that he's skating. And while that is, yes, technically true, uh, he was at Ball Arena or excuse me, I was at Ball Arena real early last week. Um Ahead of practice, and Gabe Landeskog was out there. That is true. I don't fully know if I would describe what he was doing as skating. Uh, we saw this last year. <clears throat> Look, he, he's 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 on his skates, but it's it, You can tell that he's being instructed. Like, really, don't take any like real strides. They're they're real small little movements, moving around the ice. You know, kind of shooting pucks, flipping pucks around. He's not skating it's like Um,
1: the very first step of the process of him getting back into the kind of conditioning that he's gonna need because it's a lower body injury this is like the very very beginning of that process yep uh there's no updated timeline it's still late january
2: yep yeah this is and, and again like we saw him do this last year before the playoffs uh and what aj said just now is completely correct it's this is get the feel back, get what it feels like to be on your skates. Start, you know, you're adding just a teeny tiny bit of motion <clears throat> and it will gradually ramp up. Seriously, we're talking over the next month to six weeks, uh, at least um, of, a, of a ramp up process here. So while a lot of these guys are getting back on the ice, you will see out there that Gabe Landisgaard on the ice. While that's technically true, I just want to make sure that that expectation is still clear amongst Avs fans that you are still looking probably at minimum four to six weeks on Gabe Landiscon right now.
1: To be honest with you, if you expect him back before the All-Star break, you're being optimistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no reason, knowing that his timeline is mid to late January anyway, there's no reason to think that he would be back before that huge gap of time. Like what's he going to do? Play one game. And then (laughs) they go on the bye week for 10, like just give him the extra week, week and a half rest. Like the smartest thing to do is to expect him to be back when the team comes back in February.
2: He is the one guy, excuse me, even with all these injuries, I, they aren't going to rush. We we talked last week about maybe there's some of these guys that they will, I don't necessarily even want to use the word rush, but, be a little bit quicker to get him back just with all the injuries. Gabe Landeskog, given the fact that he had to have kind of unexpected do-over surgery, um, he, they're not going to rush him. He's going to take whatever time he needs.
0: Yeah, For sure. That And being realistic, I don't think there's any reason to rush him, certainly. If uh, you make an argument, there's not a reason to rush anybody with how the ads have looked over these past couple games, now that they've gotten Val and and back. It wasn't the best hockey game in the world the other night. No, but it was certainly good enough. Yeah. So something you well, can live with.
2: AJ, I just want to get your take on it. Cause we talked about it a good amount uh, yesterday on the show and, and Megan and I have talked about it in a couple videos uh, over the last week, how big of a difference is, did, this, did, did it make to you, AJ, just purely having those guys back, even though they're not you know, your Nathan McKinnons and whatever, purely just inserting those guys back in the lineup, what a difference it made in terms of bumping everyone down. I just kind of wanted to get your uh, your perspective on it.
1: It's not even just bumping a guy down, right? I mean, you're talking you straight up go from Jason Magna to Val Lachushkin. You know, and then (laughs) and then you do bump a guy. The guys that are down there, you do bump, or the guys that stay there, uh, you you bump down. Like it's it's a huge difference in terms of you have a you have a high end NHL player, you a higher end NHL player, and a guy like Dachushkin and a very good like top six ish somewhere. In Arturi Lekinen. I mean, just those two guys. We saw yesterday in St. Louis. St. Louis is one strength. Their greatest strength is forward depth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They've got different waves of lines that they can throw at you. Well, the abs, the abs have one line defensively that they've been able to rely upon all season with Cogliano Comfer and LOC, where Bad, bad things don't happen to you with that line out there. I think they've only been on the ice for five even strength goals against all season. So you're talking and that's a line that's been together from the start. So you get that line. They found some weird magic with uh, Charles Udon and Jean-Luc Foody and Ben Myers. (laughs) That trio just worked in two games. It held its own. It was fine. It was competitive. But having a top line that could function as a top line because yeah. uh, Lekinen, uh you know, Lekinen, Rantinen, and Rantanen, and Nachushkin, those guys, you know, with, with like New Hook was like sort of part of that mix <laughs> at different times. Like New Hook's role yesterday was downright bizarre. <laughs> But, like, uh, that trio right there at any given time, they could just throw out a top line, an actual bona fide NHL top. Not like Miko Rantanen is a stud, and Alex Newick is a young guy that we like, and then there's Charles Houdon on the other side where you're like.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: <laughs> they could just throw out a bona fide, hey, here's a top line. Like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is a group that we can go to battle with. And it just makes your team... It, it changes the complete dynamic of your team that you're in the offensive zone that you're forcing a team to defend that you're, you're creating dangerous chances that, that you're, you're playing in, in the right zone, you know, that you're, you're actually putting pressure on the other team. And I, I know they got three goals yesterday. Offense is still a problem here. Like we got to be realistic. Miko Rantanen has five of the last six avalanche goals, but, that's that's at least something to start with you have a top line that can function and we see in this league all the time that more often than not especially in the regular season uh your your best players are what separates you uh, in on uh, in, in winning and losing games i
2: I
0: I do want to extrapolate this into the second line as we go through this show. Again, we're assuming Erod should be back, could be as soon as tomorrow, but certainly sometime in the next week or so. He probably slots right into your second line pretty easily. What does that rest of the top six start to look like then? Are you keeping Houdon up there? Are you running Newhook on the wing on that line? How does it shake out?
2: I mean, it's it's hard because AJ alluded to something that we kind of talked about last night with that that trio of Hudon, Foodie, uh, and Myers. That they've had them together for two games, and for two games, it's looked for all intents and purposes looked pretty good, right? Um, yep. and, and given everything that this team has been dealing with recently, uh, in terms of inconsistent, in terms of inconsistencies in the lineup, I don't know. Do you? If you're Jared Bednar, do you like the idea of keeping that group together as much as possible, kind of the way he's done with Comfer, Cogliano, uh, and and O'Connor? So, yeah. What? So, so you got New Hook Rodriguez, Foodie. Is that, is that, well, he'd be with that, the other line. I say, is that, does that leave you with like Dryden it's Hunt, Bleeder Hunt? Yeah. Right. Um,
1: and that's why I think the answer is no. Yeah, right. That, that line doesn't stick together because I think that if Rodriguez does, you know, whenever Rodriguez does come back, you he was the bridge to secondary scoring mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. He was playing so well. And look, Alex Newhook's a little all over the place right now um, in terms of his role and to be honest, his play. He's mm-hmm. putting up points for you. And
0: the role and play thing might go hand in hand. a little bit
1: <laughs> Well, I do. I do, too. But I, I think what we're seeing, though, is that he's he's the trial by fire here. He's learning how to be an impact guy and how to be effective yep. all over the lineup, not just in a set and like, OK, he's your third line left wing and like, OK, that's it. Like he's been moved all over the place and he just keeps popping up. You know, he he's one Mm -hmm. of the few guys that's giving them any kind of offensive punch outside. I mean, pick all these other guys. Everybody loves foodie. Everybody loves this guy. Oh, Charles Udon. And we'll get to him all this, all this stuff. Right. But Alex, Alex Newhook's the one that's actually produced points. He's the one that's actually on the scoreboard. He's in he's in your box score more often right now, more, more often than not ish but it's like it's more it's like every other game which is right where you kind of wanted him to be this year. So I like he had a really slow start to the year but since the since the eight games where he he started the year scoreless he's he so, has produced like a low second line player and that were... that guy next to Evan Rodriguez and then with another guy you know, we saw Martin Kaut looked pretty good in that role. All right, let's see what John Luke Foodie does next to those cats. Mm-hmm.
0: If sure. you remove those eight games for New Hook, which I get it, like removing the part he bads at, he's bad at is cheating, but humor me for a second. It's been 11 points in 18 games.
1: Right. I mean, and that's secondary scoring, baby. Yeah, that's right. what you
2: want. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, it, and and so it's funny cuz like as I was kind of sitting there talking through that second line I was like yeah I don't think you can keep that group together and then you said it AJ's like unless you are going to want to call up unless you think that Alex Galchenyuk has made some like meaningful steps in the last week I I I mean I don't know then you then you split that line up knowing that if you want to throw them back together you can I really do I think the other part to this and Rudo if you want to wait on this part but like I, I also I also don't think we're that far out from getting Darren Helm back yep. f- from the abs, getting Darren Helm back. Um, and, and so that's another thing to keep in mind that, you know, if, if you can get those two back within a game or two of each other, and maybe you are comfortable leaving that, that foodie hood on Myers line together as a, as a bottom six group. And you plug in Darren Helm, you know, somewhere on that, maybe back with that third line, uh, you know, take Comfort off there and get back what was your fourth line from last year. You could bump Comfort up, New Hook, Comfort, uh, Rodriguez. You have a lot of center options there. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you, have yeah. Like
1: a, you have like a lot of bad center options. There. Right, right,
2: right. <laughs> you have a bunch of guys who are better suited elsewhere, but can play center. A bunch
0: of dudes who can take faceoffs, but their yeah, actual yeah. <laughs> being a center is, we'll see. <laughs>
1: a bunch right. of dudes that can lose faceoffs. Right, comfort does okay. <laughs> He's, you know, you know where he is on the year. It was like fifty-two or something. Forty-seven, man. Oh, is it that bad? Really? Damn. All right.
0: None it, of them can take that's face-offs. That's the that's
1: thing, the though, timing. is that he gets he gets hot and he'll win twenty of twenty-six in one game, right. and then he'll go three games yeah. in a row where he's at like forty-six. That, that thing just yeah, he, bounces up and down like <laughs> a pinball. Yeah.
2: He got him and Duchesne, I remember would work on face-offs like endlessly after practice. And so if if you watch him and if you watch him and the way that Matt Duchesne both take faceoffs, it's very similar. Um but I think Duchesne has kind of settled in a little bit more consistently to being like a pretty top tier face off guy. Yeah.
1: Uh, for the for the record, Confer's only been over fifty percent once in his career. It was last year and it was fifty one.
0: Yeah. So Good relatively to the abs, maybe.
1: Uh, yeah, relative relative <laughs> relative to like Nathan McKinnon in his career 43% or whatever. <laughs> he's doing fine. Like he's your guy, but there's a there's a reason that yeah. There's there's a reason that the abs are brutal in the face-off circle because they don't have anybody that's consistently good at it
2: except for landy (laughs) yeah
0: i I do want to extrapolate on the helm conversation not just himself but who is on the chopping block to get sent back to the eagles there but first we are brought to you by athletic greens you start every day with just one scoop in your cup of water it's got 75 different vitamins and minerals a bunch of adaptogens and electrolytes in it to get you going help boost your immune system Tons of athletes use it as part of their daily workout routines, so if you want to get a little bit healthier, it can help with that. Uh, Around the office at DNVR, a lot of us use it as a hangover cure. Uh, Not too bad for that type of thing as well. (laughs) Anna
2: did that yesterday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a a great little wonder thing to get your days started on the right foot. Put it that way, you can get it At athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. to let them know we sent you over there. And when you order, you get five free travel packs. So even if you're getting drunk on the road, you can take it with you. Uh, Don't drink and drive. I meant like when you're traveling and getting drunk. Uh, Also, you can get a year's supply of vitamin D when you order. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash avalanche to take control of your health, especially with all the flu season going around. I know AJ's still recovering from his sickness a little bit. Our, our social media girl marissa has it too it's it's rough out there also brought to you by the amazing people over at illegal pete's uh i can't remember the last time i've gone to the bar and one of us didn't roll in with a, an illegal pizza burrito between jesse and yaya especially uh, yeah. they're, the, they're burrito people so you can get yourself down there happy hours are 3 to 6 p.m at illegal pizza where you can get uh, their margaritas for a ridiculously good price, so go check that out. Also, their burritos are just amazing. Highly recommend you have their burritos and eat them. Absolutely mm-hmm. delicious all the way around. Their uh, their queso, wow, ridiculously mm-hmm. good. Check them out. Get down to one. There's an illegal piece, literally like just a block or two from the bar, so you can hit them up. Auto play. What even was it?
2: So was that I Sarah know. McLaughlin?
1: I don't know. It, I don't actually. I don't know what it was. In the
0: arms of an angel, getting played back. Here.
1: <laughs> it was one of those sad dog commercials. I yeah. played on my. On my
0: phone. Yeah. I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Did you know a million dogs die every year? I don't know the actual commercial. Every minute.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's like what it feels like. <laughs>
0: Jump over there. Uh, they're also hooking you up at Illegal Pete's. You spend $100 on gift cards. You get an extra $25 free. So it's a great holiday gift option through Illegal Pete's. Second period of the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Darren Helm isn't going to have the roster impact of someone like a Lekan and a an, an or even an Erod, but is very likely going to bring some stability to that bottom six when he comes back. How important is that for the Avs right now? One and two, whose spot is he taking?
1: This is the one where I really don't know. I really have no feel for what happens with Darren Helm. Like, for me, I think putting him next to Dryden Hunt on like an actual fourth line is where I would start him out especially it's at, at center where we saw him in the postseason start there sure but yeah. it, certainly
0: given that they sent myers down already seems like he's kind of already an odd man out so a center position should be open granted that well, I mean, I... helps fill that but
2: Right. I think the ultimate goal is to work him back into that, that line that he clicked with so well last year playing in the middle between Cogliano and O'Connor. But again, that, that has been your big skating energy line uh, for the last few weeks. And I just don't think it's fair to <laughs> drop a guy in who hasn't played an NHL game in six, seven months uh, onto a line. that's like, Hey, we need you to skate your ass off every shift, every minute, get out there. Um, so no, I'm with AJ. I think you start him on a fourth line with, you know, wh- whomever it is that that m- makes up those those wings there. Um, get him ramped back up, watch his minutes a bit, uh, but eventually I do. I think they want to work him back uh, in-, in between Cogliano and, and and O'Connor and and have that kind of be a go to and, you know, while while you're still dealing with injuries, keeps JT Confer in kind of a flex position for you. Can I can I change? Gears just a little bit here. Yep. Do do no. either of you look at <laughs> like? Do you think as well as Miko Rantanen has played now for the last three games at center? Do you guys think Jerry Bednar's going to get frisky with that at all and say, okay, well, shit, maybe we use Miko Rantanen in between Lekkinen and Nachushkin? Like, you know, I don't know when. Just moving forward, guys get back, get healthy.
1: You so like? Do I think that that happens when McKinnon is healthy? Yeah, not right away. I could see, I could see him talking himself into it when Landy is back. But wouldn't yeah. you rather just do it with Landy at that point?
2: I'm just saying, just because, just because Miko's had a, a few good games there where he's really been impactful. I,
0: I just don't see that as the anywhere near the first option like i think you're floating leckinen or Nachushkin down the lineup on the wings yeah, before you think about
1: doing that we've seen the way that mckinnon and rantanen have elevated each other sure? so consistently over the last several years that for me i guess i just i just have a really hard time believing that any solution is break that up yeah you know okay. I mean you look at you look at you look at the way and you look in Boston and the way that uh, Bergeron and Marchand have just kind of been stapled to each other for like a decade right. like sometimes things just work and yeah. at an at an, at a really really high level because with Leceddin Arturi lecandodin like Arturi Lecadadin a guy that two years ago was toiling in Montreal's bottom six like, they are still one of the top 10 best lines in the NHL. And Gabe Landeskog, we know there's no offense to Arturi Leckin. Gabe Landeskog is just a better player. And what he's done for that line as like the defensive conscious of it, you know, we've, we've seen a little bit with Nachushkin too. Like those guys are, those guys, those guys bring that line to a different, to, to a different level. And like, and Landy's, it's been amazing I, there.
0: I honestly think it comes back to the same conversation we were having at the start of the year. Look, if you don't believe in Erod or Newhook to be your 2C, you're probably looking at going out and getting one at the
1: deadline. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, and and we saw we saw with Erod, though, there were makings of him starting to earn absolutely. an but, extended look at um, 2C. Yeah, with, sure. uh, flanked by the good ones. You know, flanked by a Nechushkin and a Lekanen or a Landeskog. Like, Whatever that alignment would be with the wings, like you've got such good two-way options there, because between all three of those guys, Lekin and Landeskog, and Nachushkin, you have three excellent defensive players. Well,
2: and, and part of what makes me think this way is that the Abs had such great success with that Landeskog, McKinnon, Nachushkin line uh, last year in the postseason. But I also am having—I I also just kind of had the thought because we were talking about the their. Top top line right now, and I I just thought it's been a really fun combination. Or I thought it was a really fun combination last night because you had two great defensive players, Lekkinen and Nichushkin, Uh and and Miko is maybe for the first time like truly uh, since he's been here, we we have seen him kind of embrace being, you know, the guy a little bit here. I've got to be the one to put up the points. I've got to be the one to to pick up the production over the last couple games. Again, you're talking about two games here, but just thought it was an interesting thing to float out there.
0: When it's definitely an it's interesting conversation. I I just think there's too many other options besides Miko there still to really sure. see it being a thing. Yeah, um, and I
1: still think when you're talking about dead the the trade deadline not too long after Landeskog is back yeah. in the lineup, that they get basically three weeks to decide. How important is this 2C position as a deadline priority? Um, Because you could see where they could say, hey, Evan Rodriguez can do this job. We do feel good about it. But also, if we go and get Jonathan Tames or, you know, pick a 2C. I really don't want to get into that part. But pick a 2C. They go and get it. And it doesn't take away their center options. I mean, then you are having a third line conversation where now Evan Rodriguez is on your third line, right next to an Alex Newhook or a JT Comfort or whatever the alignment ends up right. being here, and and that's where you're starting to say, okay, well this is again, you have found a way to rebuild that championship caliber depth, where, 100%. yep,
2: hundred percent,
1: and where you're you're rolling out a third line that's just punching other third lines in the mouth every night, you're rolling out a fourth line. You know, with with you know Cogliano and and, Helm and slash Helm yeah. and O'Connor, you know, f- three of those four guys are going to go be going out there on your fourth line, and they have functioned poorly as a second line for a month and a half, two months. But to they start the getting season. crushed, at least, yeah, yeah. But they're the thing is, is that they're they're not hurting you for an extended stretch, right. and they chip in offense occasionally that for a fourth line, they're going to be significantly better uh, I was, as we, a, we as, actually... as a, for, as a, as a third or for, it'll probably really function as a third line come playoff time. Yeah.
2: AJ, like just, <laughs> just hearing you talk through all that, I really don't know if we have enough. And I know for a fact, abs fans en- haven't appreciated enough how over their heads that, second line has played right now and how how well they've done
1: how in successful context. it's bad, man right, it, it's right the fact that they're not effective yeah. they're not producing offense but you're also talking about they are taking on second line assignments almost every night and and holding them off the score sheet exactly and they're they are surviving they're not letting other teams depth kill them right and that's that's where you have to look at it and you're like it's like the one failing of Colorado's top line this year is that defensively they haven't been any good. <laughs> They've given up way too much, and you're like, look, you're getting away with all this bullshit in the rest of your lineup. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, and and that's where that's where if you do look at like a two C option, like if you if you got really bold and you went and got a Ryan O'Reilly, and then you had. Of second line of Landeskog, O'Reilly, and it's New just a nightmare to play against. You have a you have a true shutdown line defensively, but one that can also generate the offense for you, right? Like, it, and I can go the other way and be nasty about it. I, and and then you roll out that 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 line that has functioned as their second line this year. And you the roll the that thing out line. at the bottom of your yeah. lineup, and you've you've kind of accidentally built like rebuilt kind of the tampa bay model with the with what anthony sorelli has has meant yep. to that organization yep. and how how important they are where they uh, just
0: mother you with their death, exactly yeah. where
1: they where they, they it starts with what they don't give up and then what they're able to give you on the other end almost becomes like bonus because you know the guys at the top of the roster are scoring every single night and that's and, – and there's – like, this is why I think the three of us have not been pressed about the standings. Yeah. Have not been too concerned about where – wherever the abs kind of end up after all this shuffle because once healthy and, – and, like, yes, you do assume that the abs get most of the way healthy at some point, right? Um, my goodness. Like, they, they can really take flight – once all the pieces come together and what the, what the healthy team looks like, it's just completely different.
0: It's great conversation. Unfortunately, still a month plus away. So I do want to reel this back into the next couple of weeks. Darren Helm coming into the lineup. Your realistic guys looking on the outs here. Anton bleed, Charles Udon, John Luke foodie. Who's sticking, who's going.
2: Uh,
1: uh, I mean, of, of those three, and Anton Bleeds not even in the conversation for me. I I agree.
0: I think he's the easy one to send down.
2: Look, I, I, I'll I'll say this, and then um, AJ, you can you can jump in and add if you want. Uh, I, I I was told by a couple of people who w- would definitely know um, the ABS organization really likes what they've seen out of Foodie really likes what they've seen out of foodie um so so going based off what i know if i'm having to pick one guy out of that list right now today i'm gonna say it's foodie because that's the one guy that i know internally uh that has exceeded their expectations
1: well and like what a shock right like you talk about stylistic fit here you know, and as much as it annoys me that Martin Cout is like the fall guy here and is like the first guy that they send back because he's got a quiet game or two here and there, you look at it and you're like, what's the big difference here between a guy like Martin Count and a guy like Jean Luc Foodie is that Jean Luc Foudy just naturally plays the way the Avs want to play. Of all the guys in Colorado's system, this is the this is the thing that we have talked about his entire time since the second he was drafted. And Rudo and I were like high fiving all over the place. Is that Jean Luc Foodie is in? He is an impeccable fit to play Avalanche hockey. You know, if you if you asked him to go be a Dallas Star right now, he'd be a gross miscast in in what Pete DeBoer wants to do. But to play what the way that Jared Bednar wants the Avalanche to play, there has never been a prospect in the Avalanche system more well equipped than Jean-Luc Foody. Now, I've had questions about what he ultimately would become, like where his ceiling is, what his fit is. He's played all over the Eagles lineup in terms of role and on both wings and at center. He's done a little bit of everything. And I think I think that his success at the NHL level has been wildly overstated by a lot of people. Um, people are, oh, it's, he's this much better, and you know, oh, he looks this great, and that... He makes a ton of mistakes, but at the end of the day, you look at that guy and you're like, look, he, he's kind of a lightning bolt in your bottom six, because every single time he touches the puck, something's happening. And that, that is where he is separated from every single other call up is that he, he, for whatever reason, there's an it factor that you can't put your finger on and point to and explain Something about Jean-Luc Foudy playing for this Avalanche team. It's just clicking. Yep. It's working. And that's one thing where you just say, look, Charles, Charles Houdon has been kind of fun. But you know that there are, he's got NHL track record where you can look to and say there are significant defensive shortcomings in his game. But are they enough to the, that they they counteract what he's at least brought offensively? All right, well, he's he's had a lot of really high-end scoring chances and hadn't hadn't capitalized on any of them. Yeah, you know, so that was how do you how do you how do you you kind of how do you kind of mix all that together? Because that was what I said between those two guys. I think that I I just think that you have interesting conversations. I want to give it another week, and like the injury issues aren't gonna stop, so they've got another week to sort that out, but for right now. I think, I think what you're seeing is that Jean-Luc Foudy, I think, has made a lot of mistakes. And I think he's been... I think there, there are a lot of problems that I have with him. But regardless of the issues, there are so many things that are just natural fits for him with how the Avs play. That you're like, you can see this guy fucking up a playoff series. That this guy, they, they, they roll into a first round series or they get into a second round series against the Dallas stars. And this is the guy that, that gives them their Kiviranta moment. You know, that, that guy down the lineup, that's just capable of being that like thunderbolt that changes the course of a series that makes that kind of an impact. Already was that
0: guy for the Eagles last year.
1: And yeah, he was. And, and it's just, that is a guy, that's a guy that you look at, and you're just like, I don't know that he's totally ready, but even with his hair on fire, he's finding a way to do things every single night, and you just can't ignore that.
2: So what I was going to say a minute ago was I made that same comment about Jean, uh, about Charles Houdon. It's like, yeah, want to about how great he is. He's generating all these chances. It's like, yeah, he's also not buried a bunch of grade A chances. Uh, but – going back to foodie. So we actually, uh, coming up here at two 15, uh, we will have a new, uh, podcast dropping. It drops every Monday. Um, it's just a bonus six pod. We're not taking anything else away, but so that'll be, uh, coming to you guys here, uh, shortly about 30 minutes, but Megan and I talked about, uh, on there, we, we play We have an interview with, uh, with Andrew Cogliano and he talks about relative to the young guys. He says, you know what I'm paraphrasing, Obviously, it's the the effort is a huge thing. The effort and the consistency. Are you showing up every day and giving one hundred and fifty percent? Are you skating your ass off on every shift? Are you doing something to try to be involved on every play? And what he basically said is, look, the older guys like in the room. We we notice that, and especially now you're on a championship team. Like there's an expectation within that locker room that your effort is at a certain level every single day. And he said, look, we, we noticed that. And if that's, if you're showing up every single day and putting in the kind of effort that is consistent with what we do in this room, we can live with the mistakes. Mistakes happen. Things happen out there. It's when you're, when, when you're showing up, you're not putting in the effort that maybe everyone else is, or, or, you know, you're taking a shift off here and there. That's when the mistakes become a problem. And that's where I think a guy like foodie, cause you're right. AJ, like his game has been far from perfect. Um, but I think they like him internally because he's doing what's being asked and he's bringing a fairly consistent effort level to every single shift, every single practice. And then he does have the skill side, to it. Like you said, he's just a good fit within the system. He plays with speed, all of that stuff. And so they're saying, look, we're, we're fine to live with some of these young mistakes. Cause he's doing a lot of the things that we're asking him to do and we want him to do. Uh, and, and I like the Kitty Ranta comparison. Like, cool. Can we keep this guy around? Long enough, can we get him into the great integrated to what we do enough that yeah, near the end of the season, here's this weird chip you can play in your bottom six that has a bunch of offensive upside. Um, so yeah, this has turned into a long answer to your question, Rudo. Of if you ask <laughs> me to put money on it right now, to me, it's 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 foodie who sticks around.
0: Okay. Uh to play devil the devil's advocate a tiny bit, because I actually agree. I think it's probably foodie, maybe Udon. Those are two guys that I can see Bednar shying away from at times in his bottom six when he's looking for defense, consistent, don't screw me over hockey. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in the past where he will shy away from some of those rookies that have a little bit of that inconsistency for a player like Anton Bleed or Jason Magna. With that being said, I don't think... Bednar has had a whole lot of prospects that would slot into the bottom six that
1: have flashed the way Foodie has. I mean, right now, um, you're trying to figure, you you know, you're crystal balling it, and you're looking down the road like... What you're talking about, Ruto, is a preference for Dryden Hunt. Correct. Um, and I think that's the roadblock there, is that when... Everybody's healthy. Dryden Hunt still exists and is still <coughs> the twelfth guy. A guy they have to make a decision on. You know sure. that. What do they? What do they want to do with him? What do? What's the plan? What's the role, et cetera, et cetera? Because we're seeing like he—he's a guy that. Yeah, it was it was fun that he went out and, you know, he's gotten into a couple of fights and he's had some big hits and he's done some things, but you're, you're talking about a guy that uh, has, has scored one goal. Yeah. I mean,
0: we're talking about Udon, not finishing grade a chances.
1: Dryden (laughs) Hunt has seen a lot fall to the wayside as well. Well, and and you're talking about a guy that is, is not consistently getting to double digit minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, he, he got to Colorado and it it he hasn't built towards anything. He had seven shifts yesterday. Yeah. Like that's the kind of thing that you you wonder, and like sometimes that just happens, right? Because Bedner is very much that kind of coach that goes with a feel where he's like, this guy doesn't have it tonight. This line is giving me a problem. I'm not playing this guy. Because we've seen Dryden Hunt have nights where he gets moved up in the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, where he has been a lot more of an impact guy. And his style of play, Hunt's style of play, is a lot more conducive to the postseason than John Luke Foodie's is right now. Who Dryden Hunt is at his core, but you also know that Dryden Hunt's not doing shit for you on the offensive side of the puck. Like yeah. you're you're comfortable with the idea that you're probably not getting any of that out of him. But where i think i'm concerned about hunt is that the things that are supposed to be staples of his game are so inconsistent the physic, the physical presence like he goes out and he's a guy that skates hard every night and i don't think that's a concern but the physical presence is hit and miss no no pun intended like mm-hmm. it's it's not he's not out there you know if there's one thing that you liked about curtis mcdermott at forward it's that he would go hunt a guy on a forecheck. Yeah. That guy would get rid of the puck, and Curtis Mcdermott would attempt to put him into the third row. And like every time out, he would do that. And you knew what you were getting there out of Curtis Mcdermott as a forward. You knew that that was going to be a thing that was happening. It's supposed to be part of Hunt's like package as a player, as part of his selling point. And it's it's just inconsistent. And the decisions that he makes with the puck they're almost too simple. Like it's almost like he's afraid to try to make a play because he knows he's supposed to be supposed to be a skated straight lines and hit people kind of player. But he doesn't, he hardly ever tries to do anything with the puck. He hardly ever, he hardly ever does anything in which you would consider it playmaking or creative it's almost too simple where now you're starting to say it's too limited there's a hard cap on what he can give you because he won't he won't deviate and when he won't deviate from that and and at least try something offensively and the selling points of his game are not consistent or are, are not super consistent it really becomes a tough sell for me as a uh as as a consistent presence in, in a lineup of a playoff team that takes itself seriously whereas uh, uh, foodie's physicality and stuff that's it may not be there but again you're talking about a guy that when he touches the puck there's just an electricity uh,
0: perfect example of this for hunt despite a very strong 56 positive Corsi, he's been on the ice for one goal four and six against
2: Yo, time. that fight was dope, though, guys. So I don't, the think, shit, you're, I don't think you're quite accounting for that enough.
1: <laughs> well, and you know that in a postseason, like, look, that whole sequence yeah. helped the Avs because he made a He laid a big, clean hit that turned into a power play for the Avalanche. Yeah. That all of that is a good that those are good things that you want out of depth, guys. My problem is, is that he'll do that once every four games, the three games in between. We're not seeing him do anything.
2: No, I, and I, for the record, I was purely just being facetious. And, but, and I know, but...
1: I know you. It was tongue in cheek, <laughs> but it's true though. Like that yeah. was a moment in that game that had the power play had actual NHL caliber players on it in that game, could have changed the course of that game. It ultimately didn't matter because the Abs were just too overmatched that day. But in a game, if he makes that play tomorrow, and 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 that's the kind of situation uh that that results from it
2: Colorado's chances of winning are a lot more serious well, well, I was gonna say say I, I do want to I wanted to build on or just kind of co-sign what you were saying there about like that's a big hit on a big name player and then not only did he like get in the fight and it's like oh he stuck up for himself like no he like straight beat the tires off Tomas Nochik like that's one of those fights where people talk was about oh, Nochik's
1: first fight it sure looked like, like it it. <laughs> it felt like it, right? Like yeah, it was it was well, like watching it, the Chushkin's first fight. We were like, Oh, he's not done this before. The,
2: the the part of it we were laughing at, like as we were waiting to go in the room after was I've never seen someone engage a fight look so unprepared for a fight. <laughs> like you went and tracked him down to start a fight, and then you got in the fight, and we're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know what to have,
1: but <laughs> that, that was one where Nick Felino pulled him aside and was like, let me take a big fella. Like we <laughs> appreciate you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let's but talk I next got practice next. about how that looks. <laughs> um, but no, I mean like AJ, like you, you are right. People talk, Oh, you can't take fighting out of hockey. It, you know, it's a part of the game. It changes the momentum. I don't think that that is often the case. That is one of those fights where it's like, yeah, that, that could change a game.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, Game changer for us, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Can't wait to drink some on the party bus, but, you know, also get it down at the bar, eight different kinds on tap. You can get it at your local liquor store using the Breck Beer Locator online. When you go to breckbrew.com, they also have the nice list, giving away a bunch of different stuff for Christmas. Go check it out. Get yourself some free dope stuff. And of course, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. When you use code DNBR when you sign up there and you bet $5 with a new account on any NHL team to win their next game, you get $150 in free bets. I'm just saying, my pick of the week last week was take the abs over the blues. And it was a little spicy, but it hit. At the end of the day, the bet hit. So maybe listen to me, but probably don't. Go do something (laughs) smarter than I'm capable of. Uh, again, use the DNBR code when you sign up with DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And, of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, very quickly here, did want to touch on the other news topic of the day with England getting sent down. Do you guys think this is an indication that one of the defensemen is close to getting back, or is this we're going to see Jacob McDonald get moved
1: back to defense and actually play defense?
2: that's what I think it is.
1: You put it out of defense with both Brad hunt and Jacob McDonald. You get what you deserve.
2: Uh, no, I just, so, I mean, Jared Bednar told us at the start of last week, uh, or maybe at the very tail end of the week before that, that Josh Manson is still a hard month out. Um, and this is another thing that we did talk about in the episode that is coming out here in about 15, 20 minutes. um, Bowen Byron, they are not claiming that it was a setback, but we've clearly seen some type of setback in his uh actual journey to getting back on the ice in a game. Uh he was supposed to go to... from
1: skating to not skating is a setback. I don't care what they want to call it, but it right. just
2: is. Right. Yeah. So AJ, AJ saying it more bluntly than I was, but seriously, I mean they 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 are maintaining it was not a setback. He was on the ice. He was supposed to go from on the ice by himself to skating with Shauna Laird. He is just back to not skating. So take take that however you want, I guess. Uh, so for me, from what we know, both with the abs and what we're seeing on the ice, uh, I imagine that this is at best Jacob McDonald sliding back to, uh, back to defense.
1: Or they're just saving money for the day. Or yeah, they're just I, saving money for I, the day. I did want to say... It's very possible that these are just
0: paper transactions.
1: That is my guess. Um, especially the England one. It's my it's my guess that uh, they're saving money. Which.
0: I'm not exactly sure how the math adds up there right now with their. I've with what everything what going on, on LTIR, man. It's just chaos. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I gave up trying to keep track of it because it was it it got to the point where it was like they are in the weeds on some <laughs> of this stuff, and I was just like, I'll you just just trust the thirty five
0: million dollars worth of players hurt. It's kind of just whatever happens happens. At that point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> are you guys uh to, to totally change directions here, but are you guys um, are you are you guys a little surprised the Evs didn't put in a claim on Eli Tolvenin
2: I said I was a tiny bit surprised, but I I just have to imagine it's the money.
1: Yeah. How many is That's it just one year on the deal? So it's it's weird that like first of all, like his development has been really fascinating. Cause when he was drafted the hype was real. Well, it was like he's just a goal scorer. Um, he doesn't do anything else. He's not even much of a playmaker. He's just a really fast skater who can score goals for you. And then over the last few years in Nashville, he's developed into like more well rounded. Like uh he's played in their depth and he's gotten better and he's developed more of a physical edge. Um, he he actually like gets involved defensively and he still has goal scoring ability but it's it's weird that his production on a per sixty basis has gone up and his ice time has gone down. And that is one where you're just like John Hines just doesn't like this player. Yep. And I I am so confused. But also like Seattle making that claim Seattle went from a team that last year was like, they do a lot of decent things. They just can't score. So and they, they go out and they get, <laughs> well now, and they go out and to to add to Jordan Eberle and Jaden Schwartz, they get Bjorkstrand and Burakovsky, who's like, they, they can score goals. And now they got Tolvanen added into there. And you're like, okay, so they've just decided, all right, we're going to swing the other way on this pendulum until it hurts us. <laughs> Uh, just the, the living the extremes. So, I do, I do think there's really uh, an interesting claim from Seattle. A little, a little like I, I knew immediately that the money was going to be an issue for Colorado, but also like the difference between a Dryden Hunt and and Eli Tolvin It was pretty for significant. The money,
0: you're taking that every day of the week. Right? It's
1: pretty significant, man.
2: Well, like, were that's, you guys were- were you guys actually surprised that he made it all the way to Seattle?
1: Yes, I was, because that's a guy that I really don't understand what, like, like the San Jose's and the Anaheim's you know, it, that's, like. Right. It's part of yeah. why
0: I never really even considered it for the Avs, because I was like, oh, the 10th team on
1: that list will take him, and it'll be whatever. Well, and, and to be honest, like, uh, and, and I'm less familiar with everyone's cap situation off the top of my head, but even even a a team like St. Louis, you know, where you're looking you're looking at the blues and you're like, if they could have fit it if they could have fit the the number in under the cap, I don't I again off top of my head, don't know what their situation is. But Tolvinen was like that kind of guy where you're like, he would have really fit that kind of archetype for for them that 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 they have kind of loaded up on in the last couple of years where these guys, these guys can play a little bit of offense, but are not bad defensively. Also, that Nashville just felt the need to be like, "We're good." <laughs> like yeah. you've spent all these years working on this, working and developing, and you know him better than anybody. And you're now you've just decided you just you just gave up on him.
2: What uh, Elliot Friedman was saying this morning that he thought it was was because I guess they've got a lot of. Uh, defensive injuries, and they're having to call a bunch of guys up and make room and all kinds of stuff. And that Tolvanen was just the the odd man out. He also made mention, and this is just I'm curious on your thoughts on this, given kind of what you're talking about his draft profile. He said that he took he uh, spoke with a uh, Elliot Friedman spoke with a GM last night who said they liked Tolvanen, but uh, they thought he was maybe a little too one dimensional.
1: Uh, I, I mean, and that's one where I'm like, uh,
2: just not how you see it.
1: It it just at this point in his career, I, I can understand where you would say a guy is a little one dimensional. But when you're talking about bottom six guys, who fucking is right, he? right, 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 right. Do you think Logan O'Connor has a lot of dimensions to his game? It doesn't stop him from being a quality NHL player, right? Like it's a it's a weird criticism to levy at a guy that that like a guy that lost That's on a job Wade. that well yeah and a guy that lost a job to fucking Mark Jankowski.
2: Like, um, for the record, obviously th- they've got some LTIR space, but for all intents and purposes, uh, St. Louis is sitting at eighty four eight against the cap. So, I mean. They are right up against that's it. Pretty they've, tight, yeah. They've got just over a million in available space, but that is including their LTIR.
0: So tough for them, for sure.
2: Um
1: Yeah, and well, and that's one where they also have a lot of forwards sitting on their roster. That like, uh I know that they've got a couple of extras on there, like the like Tyler Picklick and and Josh Levo that they could always yeah. move. But true, mm-hmm. those guys. They've been bad enough this year that those guys have actually played roles for them. I
0: do want to get this pod wrapped up here
1: as uh, the at the rink pod is about to drop on
0: YouTube in a couple minutes here. So any final thoughts on the Avs roster here before we get
1: out of here? I, we, we kind of glossed over it, but I'm sort of curious how Darren Helm not only comes back into the lineup, but like how he plays, where he fits. If that starts to starts to be the beginning of, Bednar going back to balancing his usage a little bit instead of it being two lines in prayers, um, you know, nightly prayers after those two lines, like because <laughs> that's it's that's really what it's been. And so Helm is kind of a a guy that we haven't like everybody's under, understands what Darren Helm is and isn't at this point in his career, but it's such an interesting guy in the eye of a coach where he's like. Ah, ha, ha, ha. like <laughs> exactly what this guy needs to help stabilize the bottom of his cold forward core. And it's like the start of that. Um, And with, with Darren Helm, I'm just, I, I just wonder like, what does it actually look like? Yeah. And, and like the overall impact and, and does he, does he play well? Cause he, you gotta remember, like this is a guy that wasn't very good last year. And then the postseason started, and he was an absolute holy terror.
2: Yeah. Dope as hell, yeah.
1: Yeah, where you're like he went he went from being like, he really wasn't very good last year. You know? mm-hmm. And then the postseason started, and he was like, Oh my god, dude, this is the best fourth liner in the league. <laughs> like he kicked ass in the postseason. So
2: Well, he he was he was so he was so good in the postseason that like the game winner in Game Six against St. Louis, like you weren't even all that surprised. It was Darren Helm. Yeah,
1: I mean, you go back and you look at it, and he scored what two goals in the
2: playoffs? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was. I think it was two. Two, yeah, yeah. If not, if not three, it was at least two. And like that's a huge moment, and everybody was just like, "Yeah, Darren He's, Helm." Like, he he snipes the legend. shit out of. Out of uh Andre Vasilevsky in game two of the final, that's right. Just yeah. kicked a corner on him.
1: Yeah, that was uh God, I don't even remember which goal that was, but that shit was hilarious. That
2: was, that was like the fourth or fifth in that in that blowout. Yep. That was that the was... one and that
1: was the one where you were
2: like Yep, you took the words out of my mouth. As soon as that one went in, I looked at the person next to me. I was like, Yeah, this is a route. Like, this is only getting worse from here. You got Darren Helm picking corners from the top of the circles. Yeah. You're done. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay. On that note, we are going to wrap up the show today. Be sure to stick around on the YouTube channel, like, and subscribe. Jesse and Megan's at the rink pod dropping in just a few minutes here. If you want a little, uh, I, are we calling it insider info? I don't know. They got a yeah. bunch of interview topics and stuff. They talk to a bunch of abs in there. So It's going to be unlike
1: anything that anybody else is making in the avalanche community right now. So yeah. just it's- tune in just for that.
2: It's it's very, and we mentioned this on the show, but like, AJ, we've been talking about this type of show now for the last year being um, access driven. So every week you can expect a lot of audio from in the locker room, uh, video from inside the locker room, talking to coach, one-on-one interviews, um, you know, stuff that we're hearing around the rink. If, you know, if we're getting little tidbits of info here and there, um, that pod is going to be where you hear a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's like I just said, it's very unlike... Um, we think what, what anyone else is doing out there. So hope you guys enjoy it. It'll be every Monday. It'll have a written piece Uh, that'll be some diehard content that'll come out on Sunday that'll be loosely uh, related to it. So yeah, it should be fun. First episode's dropping here in just a few minutes.
0: There you go. We love all of you. We'll be back tomorrow with the game. Until then, see you on the next one.